0: Hi there. If you are new, joining us for the first time, I am Adam Burton. I am the pastor at Central Baptist Church, and you have tuned in to my weekly online Bible study, uh, We, where we are looking uh, at all of Scripture to see how all of the Bible points to, to Jesus. And I uh, changed a little bit of the scenery. If you look behind me, here you uh, see a painting, and this is a, uh, a custom painting that my wife got me. It is a replica of Vincent van Gogh's uh, uh, The Bible in Still Life. Uh, she got that for me for Christmas. I'm just now getting it hung up here in my office, but I thought I would kind of showcase that uh, for you. I am super proud of it, and I love van Gogh. He is my my favorite painting a painter, and uh, so I hope you enjoy it. As well, I'd like to say welcome. Welcome to uh, this Bible study. I hope we have a great time uh, in our study, and I am looking forward to it. Before we get into it, though, uh, can you, I would love to hear from you. All right, so uh, shoot me some comments. Let me know uh, where you're watching from and uh, and who you are. Also, please, 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 would you like and share uh, this video uh, because uh, it will help it uh, to, to get out there in the digital world world and allow others to hear the gospel. Well, here's tonight's study. You know, if you had a do-over for any day in your past, where would you use it? I mean, a hypothetical do-over typically involves some regret, but starting over in reality often comes with a sense of power and freedom. I mean, sports fans understand that the, the start of each new season brings with it the ability to uh, put away the woes of the prior season in the past and replace them with what hope for what lies ahead I mean, at least for a game or two, especially for those of us that are Cincinnati Reds fans. right? It is the new baseball season. We can forget about what happened last season or the last decade of seasons. We've got a new manager, and we've got hope for the future, right? You know, some of the best entrepreneurs, they look back at a a time when they had failed and were forced to start over as the key moment that, that led to their successes, Maybe sometimes we even experience the gift of a new start in small and ordinary ways, like tossing a failed recipe and and starting over from scratch, or erasing that email draft and writing it over, or stopping a difficult conversation midway through and just asking the other person, hey, can we start over again? The book of Joshua in the Bible, it's it's a do-over that God granted the next generation of Israelites after wandering in the wilderness for 40 years because of the unbelief and disobedience of the previous generation. But would they do what their parents and grandparents had failed to do? I mean, would they trust God and follow His commands? Well, in this session, we're going to see that that God called on this generation to follow Him in faith just as He had called on on the previous generation. And once again, God revealed his presence and power to his people that they should trust him and the new leader that he had appointed for the Israelites. Our first point is that God goes with his people to give them strength and courage. God goes with his people to give them strength and courage. Moses was dead, right? But the Israelites still had Joshua. And he had been Moses' aide almost from the beginning of their journey. And God had appointed him as Moses' successor. Now, during this critical moment of leadership transition in preparation for the the first act as leader, God spoke to Joshua. So read with me here, Joshua chapter one, verses six through nine. Be strong and courageous. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, why would God repeatedly instruct Joshua to to be strong and courageous? Well, for starters, Joshua needed to hear this message, right? He needed the encouragement because of the challenge that was before him. See, Joshua was to be strong and courageous first to conquer, the land of, uh, the, to conquer and distribute the land. Second, he was to observe carefully God's instruction. And third, because God was with him. All right, let's look at these three statements. First, Joshua was to be strong and courageous to conquer and distribute the land. You now, before the Israelites could possess the land, they would first have to conquer it. I mean, the Canaanites, they weren't just going to walk out of the promised land because the Israelites walked in with a claim on it. So Joshua needed strength and courage to lead the Israelites into battle. But even more importantly, Joshua was to have the strength and courage because their victory would not come from their military shrewdness or might, but from the sure promise of God. You see, God had chosen this land for the descendants of Abraham. Now, second, Joshua was to be strong and very courageous to observe carefully God's instruction. The Pentateuch, it's the the first five books of the law. They had been written down by Moses before his death. And Joshua would need the law to flow continually from his mouth. And he would need to meditate on it, to ponder and to seek and to understand it. If he were to do this, he would be able to obey it. And this was key because through obedience— He and the people would find success in the promised land. And third, Joshua was to be strong and courageous, not afraid or discouraged because God was with him. This was the key to it all. Joshua's courage was to come from God who was with him, not from his leadership abilities, not from his wisdom, not from the might of his military, not from the praise of his people, because while there was nothing wrong with any of these things, but The root of Joshua's courage was to be the one thing that mattered the most, and that was God's presence. Joshua wasn't the only one in scriptures to to find strength and courage in God's presence. I mean, David found confidence in saying that I will fear no evil because you are with me. Zephaniah assured God's people that God was in their midst The prophet Isaiah's words came true when it was said of Jesus, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Joshua, he had seen God draw near to Moses and guide him through adversity, and he could believe that same presence was with him. Now, like Joshua, we too can walk in confident faith because God is with us. When we walk with Almighty God, when we follow Jesus, He gives us the courage we need to overcome all our fears. Think about this. What are some ways that we can know and experience the presence of God? Well, through reading and speaking and meditating on God's Word, through stepping out in faith to obey God's instructions, and through the fellowship with God's people in Christ. Our second point is that God goes before His people to demonstrate His power. God goes before His people to demonstrate His power. See, the Israelites, they were preparing to cross the Jordan River opposite of Jericho and were to leave behind 40 years of wilderness wandering. Yet the moment they stepped foot on the other side of the river, they would be at risk So they needed to be strong and courageous. But how would they cross the river? Well, read with me, Joshua chapter 3, verses 5 through 8 and verses 14 through 17. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. At Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, and those flowing down toward the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until the nation, all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan." God commanded that the Ark of the Covenant, carried on the shoulders of priests, lead the way through the Jordan River and into the promised land. Now the Ark represented the word and power and presence of God. God was making it clear from the start of the conquest that he would lead the way and win the victory. The still waters and dry riverbed of for passage, as soon as the priest stepped in, proved his power once again. Our essential doctrine this week is God is omnipotent. God is all-powerful. There is nothing God cannot do, so long as it does not contradict His own nature or law. God has power and authority over the universe He created, from the largest solar system to the smallest particle. Affirming that God is all-powerful does not mean, though, that God can sin, since that would go against His perfect moral nature. And as Christians, we rest in the belief that the God who has all power is good. And we gain great comfort by knowing that an all-powerful God is working for our good and joy. Forty years before this, the previous generation of Israelites had escaped war with the Egyptians by God walling up the waters on the Red Sea. God had rescued them through the waters and then fought for them by releasing the waters to swallow up the mighty Egyptian army. Now, here, once again, God was stopping the waters of the Jordan River, serving as a second bookend of the wilderness wandering. God had commanded Joshua to declare that all of what Moses had written, and so he likely reminded the people of how their parents and grandparents had crossed the Red Sea before. Their trust in God was to be rooted in God's faithfulness in the past, in the promises that he had made, and in the power he put on display for them. Think about this. How do we witness the power of God today? Well, we see and hear of God's provision that defies explanation. We recognize in ourselves as believers that we are growing in our faith and becoming more like Christ by uh, by the work of the Holy Spirit. We also share the gospel and witness it changing the hearts of unbelievers so that they begin to follow Jesus in faith and obey Him through the waters of baptism. And our last point is that God calls His people to remember and testify to what He has done. God calls his people to remember and testify to what he has done. God told the Israelites to remember this miracle of crossing the Jordan River on a dry riverbed, and he gave them a way to do just that. He knew that they would be prone to forget just as we are. So God commanded Joshua to have one man from each tribe select a stone from the Jordan Riverbed, 12 stones in total. And these stones would be a memory peg for the Israelites. Read with me Joshua chapter 4 verses 20 through 24. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Twelve stones set up in Gilgal, the Israelites' battle camp, would provide a reminder of God's faithfulness and plan for generations. But God didn't want the people just to take any stones. They were to take stones from the middle of the Jordan River, which was also where the priests stood firm with the Ark. Now, taking these stones from this, this spot represented at least three things. One, the point of God's providence. Two, the point of greatest danger. And three, the point of the people's faith. Let's look at these three points. First, the point of God's providence. The Israelites were to gather the stones from the priest where the priest continued to stand, holding the ark, symbolizing God's presence. They were a reminder that God was the one holding back the waters, allowing the people to cross and the 12 men to to retrieve stones that had been submerged previously in the flowing waters of the Jordan. The second point is the point of greatest danger. If the people feared that the waters would come rushing back over them, which they may have because they hurried across, the middle of the river would be the most dangerous place to be. This would be where the ground was the lowest and the farthest from the safety of the banks. And the last point is the point of the people's faith. God performed the miracle to pave the way, but the Israelites still had to step out in faith and to pass across the riverbed. It was in the middle, at the point of greatest danger, where the Israelites' trust in God was most evident. They needed to remember that, that uh, they did believe in God and that He was worthy of their faith, both then and throughout the conquest and beyond. Now, with these stones, the Israelites were to remember not just the miracle, but also the God behind the miracle. Now, in our forgetfulness, faith and remembrance can easily turn into idolatry. I mean, we we likely have our own stones and markers of remembrance, right? But we should never get caught up in God's many provisions and forget Him. Listen to this quote from Noel Piper. Memory is the mother of traditions. Almost all of our special days are celebrated because they remind us of something significant in the past, our celebrations, are occasions to look back and remember what God has done in the world and in our lives. The Israelites' memory of God's power and provision was not only for those who made the journey across the Jordan, but also for their descendants. As the people continued to grow, children who had not witnessed the river crossing would see the stones and be prompted to ask about them. And the stones then offered God's people a way to remember God and to proclaim His glory. Like the Israelites, we are to proclaim to others what God has done. They had stones to help them pass on the true story of God's faithfulness and power. But the story of God's Word comes to its pinnacle with another stone of great importance. It's the stone that was rolled away from Jesus' empty tomb. We share with others our living Savior, how God sent Christ to go before us, to display His power and lead us unto salvation. Think about this. How can you use what God has done, your stones of obedience, to point others to the power and beauty of the gospel? You know, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves. A little envious of the Israelites. I mean, after all, sensing God's presence, seeing his power can be so difficult today. I mean, we don't have an ark, right? We don't see the waters walled up. We haven't feasted on manna from heaven. But the truth is, the Israelites would be envious of us because we have something far better. We have the living Christ, those who have believed and feasted on Christ Jesus, the true bread from heaven. We may not have witnessed the waters walled back, but the believers have experienced their sin cast away and Christ's righteousness overflow in its place. And instead of the Ark of the Covenant, the followers of Christ have the indwelling presence of God to lead them. Christ went before us in power, laid down His life on the cross, and was raised again in victory to provide our salvation and bring us into spiritual rest because Christ has gone before us in death and resurrection and provided salvation. We recount all God's mighty works to others so that they too may know him and his power and be received into his kingdom. Here are some ways for you to to help you to apply God's word to your life this week. What steps of faith are you being led to take by the omnipotent God? How has God worked in the life of your church? And how can your church commemorate his work together? What are some opportunities you have to to share of God's power and provision in Jesus Christ for the salvation of all who believe in him? Would you pray with me, please? Holy God, you have revealed yourself as all-powerful through your faithfulness to your people forgive us for failing to trust you despite your repeated acts of mercy and might throughout covenant history. Help us to live with faith and courage as we step forward to participate in the advance of your son's kingdom through the proclamation of the gospel. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.